I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the Eurotrip. We are very excited to tell you that this episode is sponsored by the lovely people at Cloudwater Soda and their friends at the Queer Brewing Project. Yeah, so Cloudwater Soda take ingredients from their brewery to create delicious, low-calorie, alcohol-free infusions, unlocking the unique characters of hops for all to enjoy. As a brewery, they create some pretty strong beers, so they introduced their sodas to encourage a more mindful approach to unwinding with a good drink. Now, here comes the exciting bit. You can head to cloudwatersoda.co and use the code Eurotrip, that's one word, Eurotrip, for 10% off their soda range. You can also use the same code for queer brewing merch and beers. And that code is valid until July the 31st, 2021. As Jon Olasson always said, take it away. After Hilversum, Amsterdam and The Hague, the festival is going to make its home in Rotterdam. I really hope that, you know, you will enjoy the show this year. I want to send a message to all the people. Join us on the dark side. Let's have a party in Rotterdam. I'm Rambo Amadeus. Hi, my name is Andrus Mamontovas. Hello, my name is Sana Nielsen. I'm Paul Harrington. And I am Charlie McGettigan, believe it or not. I'm Dave Benton, winner of the Eurovision 2001. Hey, I'm Eldar, the winner of Eurovision 2011. Hi, I'm Chris Gilfman. Hi there, my name is Martin Estadol. I am the executive supervisor of the Eurovision Song Contest. You are listening to Eurotrip. So hello and welcome to the Eurotrip, your favourite Eurovision podcast with me, Rob. Me, James. And this week we'll be finding out what it's like to be a Eurovision artist during rehearsal week. That's right, here on the podcast I'm sure you'll be used to listening to us speak to a big guest every single week. But this week we thought we'd do it a little bit differently. We're going to speak to two big guests from the world of the Eurovision Song Contest to find out exactly what it's like to be rehearsing for the big live shows at the Eurovision Song Contest. I've been sitting down with Ari Olafsson, who represented Iceland in 2018, so we'll be finding out what it was like for him to represent his country in Lisbon a couple of years ago. And Rob, who have you been speaking to? 
Yep, I have been speaking to an artist from 2017, so the year before Ari. She was in Kiev. She was representing North Macedonia. It is, of course, Jana Bercheska, and she sang one of my favourite Eurovision songs of the last decade. And so that's for everybody. She sang Dance Alone. So it's going to be fantastic to find out what it's like for an artist to be in those uh, those rehearsals. Uh, but also we've got some other great conversations coming your way, uh, including a little bit of a follow-up on a story about lost luggage that we had on last week's podcast. That is all still to come. And Rob, you've also had another fantastic conversation with somebody very important at this year's Eurovision Song Contest. Absolutely. As we've already mentioned, it is, of course, rehearsal week, which also means there are loads and loads of press conferences happening in the Ahoy Arena in Rotterdam. I'll be chatting to one of the press conference hosts, Semya Hafsawi, and she gave these warning words for any journalists stepping out of line. I am fierce. I will take you down if you say something cheeky. But also, Eurovision is one of the only places in the world that feels like Disneyland. Like, everyone is there to have a really good time. So we've got all that and more still to come. You're listening on Acast, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the Eurotrip. Well then, here we are. We've already mentioned it, but rehearsal week is here. The Eurovision Song Contest, James. And given that we've been struggling with this countdown for the last goodness knows how long, is next week. That makes things much easier than trying to count on all of your fingers and toes about how many days it is, 37, 35, who knows? I don't care anymore because Eurovision is here, rehearsals are ongoing, the live shows are next week, Christmas has finally come round. This time next week, by the way, we will have our first 10 qualifiers for the grand final of the Eurovision Song Contest. I'd never thought of it like that. Blimey, it's so close. I can't believe it. It is, like you said, it's a little bit like Christmas, or as Semya said in the opener, it's a bit like Disneyland, it's a bit like Christmas. What a what a wonderfully happy time of year. It really, really is. And I can't believe we're finally here. We started this podcast back in August, can you believe? And we honestly thought Eurovision was miles away, a world away from where we were. And yet here we are. Finally, it's Eurovision week. How very, very exciting. Yeah, what is it they say? It's a marathon, not a sprint. And it certainly has been putting up with you every single (laughs) week since August. Blimey. Well, we hope you've enjoyed it anyway. Thank you for uh, coming along for the ride. And we will be letting you in on what we have planned for Eurovision Week a little bit later on in the episode. Uh, Now, if you're a regular listener, you may know that this is normally the part of the podcast where we like to share some of the brilliant messages we've had over the last seven days. And we are going to do that this week. But they are all on the same subject. Because, James, there was there was a standout story that needed an answer from last week's podcast. There was. And I don't quite remember how we got there. But you started to talk about how, I think it was a hypothetical question more than anything, about a Eurovision artist losing their luggage. And then it sort of sparked a little memory in your head that it had actually happened. And thankfully, some of the listeners had done a bit more research than we had and gave us an answer. Indeed. So, yeah, I I just was thinking, I was like, there is a Eurovision artist somewhere. There's a story. Somebody lost their luggage, etc. What happened? Well, Andy and Connor on Twitter both got in touch to say, you, dear Rob, they didn't say you, dear Rob, because that would have been a strange thing for them to say. Uh, <laughs> but they did uh, point me to an article which shows that my hunch was indeed correct. And in 2017, uh, I find an article here that uh, both Connor and Andy sent me, uh, which is entitled The Curious Case of Eurovision. 
and the missing luggage. Uh, not one, but two countries, uh, or at least members of their delegation, uh, lost their luggage in Kiev. Uh, Ireland, their head of delegation, and their lead backing vocalist lost their suitcases. And then Iceland, and, and this, is, this is pretty rough for them, uh, they lost 42 pieces of luggage. <laughs> En route to Ukraine. I'm not sure how you lose 42 pieces of luggage, but apparently, apparently that's what happened. I can't quite imagine how that even happened. Where did they go? Who took them? Where did they go? Did they get lost in the airport? Did somebody take them home by mistake? I mean, surely you would realise that they weren't yours, (laughs) wouldn't you? What do you mean somebody took them home by by mistake? Somebody took 42 pieces (laughs) of luggage home by mistake. That's not like taking the same case, is it? (laughs) That's why I put a little... So I put a little bow on mine when I go on holiday. Do you? What colour bow? I think it's yellow, actually. Wow. Although you, you then get yourself in a problem when somebody else has exactly the same idea and there are just two cases going around with a yellow bow. So then you need to add <laughs> something else onto it. And yeah, it's it's a bit of a nightmare, really. Oh, do you remember luggage carousels? I've been on holiday for a while. They were a thing of the past, weren't they? Imagine, we might actually get to use one again. What a very strange thing to be excited <laughs> for. But never mind. But... I should chip in here because we also got a very nice message on uh, on Instagram. Uh, we are at Eurotrip Podcast, by the way, on Instagram and on Twitter if you want to get in touch with anything. But we did. We got a very nice message from um, a guy called Gilad Yanai. Now, he sent us a lovely DM saying, just listening to the podcast, I remember back in 1999, the Danish singer lost her suitcase with her dress and she had to buy a new one in Israel. Now, Rob, you replied to Gilad and it was just too good to be true. You thought, I want to know a little bit more about that. Absolutely, I did. You know, as you've learned over the last couple of weeks, love a lost luggage story. And that is exactly what Gilad promised me. But he promised me so much more. James, you eventually got to talk to him. And then I can only imagine that you managed to talk about all sorts. We did. Uh, so he's, you were about to hear him. He joined us on the podcast a little bit earlier in the week. Um, and it was a great conversation because he's been part of the Israeli delegation on a handful of occasions. First of all, back in 95, but also in uh, 98, in Birmingham, 99, and then a few more occasions um, during the next decade or so. He's also been a juror at national finals. He's been there. He's done that. He's worn the T-shirt. That's all very well. But you've already told me he's got a lost luggage story about Denmark in 1999. So can we just get to that? Yes, we can. And he also has an interesting um, outfit story about Eurovision 1998 as well. And we do also, of course, chat loads about Eurovision 2021 rehearsals week. But, of course, in his first message, he told us that his story was about the lost luggage story of 1999 for Denmark. So I started off by asking him to tell us a little bit more about that very curious story. Back in 1999, when Israel hosted the contest in Jerusalem... I was part of the Israeli delegation. And at one of the events, I believe that was the opening ceremony, all the artists came together and talked to each other. And I found myself talking to this Danish duo who represented Denmark. And the Danish singer, the female one, her name is Trine Jepsen. I believe that was her name. She told me that her luggage with the dress she was supposed to wear on the big night didn't arrive to Israel. And she had to search for a new dress, a new gown for the Eurovision. I think she found one in Jerusalem or Tel Aviv. And she told me she was very happy with that choice and it was very easy to find one. But it was very depressing because they had all these rehearsals. And with that dress back in Denmark, and now it's it's a whole new territory. It's a new dress. It's a new outfit. 
Well, that's it, isn't it? Because when we talked about this on the podcast last week, we sort of mentioned it as a bit of a throwaway comment. We sort of found it, you know, a little bit funny. But when you said it there, you know, these artists have, you know, put in these rehearsals and, you know, they've they've chosen the outfits back home and then to travel there and then to lose it. And that just sort of makes you feel a little bit uneasy, doesn't it? I imagine, you know, for for those artists for Denmark, it must have been actually quite difficult to deal with that. I'm sure it was, you know... Dana International had the same story with her dress, with the Jean-Paul Gaultier dress with the feathers. She went to Paris to try this dress, and it was perfect. And then we got to, the, I was part of the Israeli delegation as well in 98 with, in Birmingham with Dana International and Diva. And Dana, she's a wonderful singer. She's a great person, really, to, be, to hang around with but the team is a little bit cocky. They thought like, we don't have to wear the dress in the rehearsals. And we, they wanted to keep it as a surprise. And only, I think it was the rehearsal before the jewel rehearsal, they gave the points, like the backing bo- uh, points. She took out the dress and performed with it. And it didn't look good at all. Now, it's been 23 years, so it's been a long time. But as I recall, uh, Saturday morning, we all ate breakfast at the hotel. And all the faces of all the delegation people like, was, oh, my God, what are we doing? What are we going to do now? So they knew they were not going to wear that dress. How are we going to tell Jean-Paul Gaultier? We are not using his dress. Uh, I believe it was Offer Schofrieberg, uh, the person in charge of the, the moves, the choreographer, uh, who said, well, you know, guys, if we win, we'll use his dress as the winning performance. So, so I don't know if they sent him a fax or phoned him, um, but someone did very carefully. And all he said, all Jean-Paul Gutierrez said was, guys, you do whatever you need to do to win. If the dress doesn't work, it doesn't. But you do whatever you need. And he was amazing about it. And eventually when Dana won, she wore the dress. I knew I should have worn my Jean-Paul Gaultier. Now, we look forward to gathering next year in Israel. We wish you a very good night from Birmingham. Our congratulations to Dana International, the winning song, and Diva! Uh, it's interesting that we're speaking this week as well, with it being rehearsals week. Next week, of course, is the other three live shows. But rehearsals week is very important. And as you were chatting there about uh, Donna International in 98, where they had this difficult decision to make about the dress. Surely, you know, from your experience as part of the Israeli delegation, those are not the decisions you want to be making in rehearsals week. You want to be focused entirely on the performance. Actually, those are exactly the the decisions you have to make during rehearsals week. That's what rehearsals are for. If you need to change everything, change everything. It has to look great. When you rehearse at your own home, you usually do it in a small venue, like a, a studio recording or something like that. And when you go and perform on the big stage, 
it changes a lot of things. Now, you have to remember the director of the Eurovision is, is a local guy and they designed every year is the same problem. They des- they're designing these great and beautiful stages and they want to show off the stages. The songs are not necessarily their first priority. Yes, it is important, but they want to show off. And most of the time after rehearsals, the delegation goes to a, a little room to view uh, the takes, the, the shots, the camera angles. Most of the time, it's hor- horrific. That nobody is happy with it. Not with Leora in 95, not with Dana, no one. Not with Neta, with Toy, no one. There's always a pro- We all remember in three years ago when Neta um, came on stage for the first rehearsals, she went down on the bedding arts because the rehearsals were not as good as someone expected, just like Malta now. When it's not perfect on the first rehearsal, you see the drop, but it's just the first rehearsal. There's a lot to work, there's a lot of time, there's two weeks time, or today we are eight days before the first semifinal. They have a lot of time to tweak, to change, to do whatever they need. This is what rehearsals are for, completely understood. As well as your role as part of the the Israeli delegation, you, you've been to the contest before, but you know you've also been um, on the jury for some national finals as well. You know in in Sweden, in in Norway as well. Is that right? Sweden, Norway, and and Finland as well. So I know that's for a national final, which is obviously uh, you know compared to the Eurovision Song Contest, a lot smaller. But give us an idea about what you were looking for in those performances. And I appreciate every juror is different. They're looking for different things, but of course you are, you know, you are judging on the, the same criteria. So what would you be looking for from the, from the performance of Eurovision 2021? The moment, I can't explain it, but each song that won during the past years had this moment. I mean, before Ukraine won, uh, I believe it was 2016. I don't believe... Anyone gave her a real chance of winning. But when you saw the, the performance at that night, uh, at the end of the song with the tree coming, the, the light, there was a moment. That's what I'm looking for. That's what works, usually, most of the time. So then, we're a week away. I think yeah. it's, a, I think it's uh, we are allowed to ask this question now, given we're so close. Who's your money on? Who do you think is going to win Eurovision 2021? I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> this year is a whole new ball game with the backing vocals pre-recorded. It's going to change a lot of things. Personally, I'm obsessed with the Russian song, Russian Woman. I really, really, really love the Israeli song, even though we have no chance of winning. And I have to say, I really love the quality that Hoover Phonic from Belgium brings. Malta is amazing. It's like a second version of Neta for us. Um, who else? France, of course. It's just the fact it's that about... you name so many songs in so many different countries that it does seem like it's wide open this year. It is. I don't feel we have a, a, a leading contender this year. I mean, Malta and France, of course. Switzerland, of course. But I don't feel like they are really ahead of the game at this point. We'll have to wait and see the rehearsals. Maybe one of them will emerge 
may, maybe Ukraine that emerging at the betting odds. I don't know. I'm just happy Israel is not going down at the moment <laughs> because the first rehearsal wasn't that good. But that's what first rehearsals are for. Absolutely. Rehearsal week is probably, arguably, the most important week of the year for Eurovision uh, contestants. So we'll just have yeah. to wait and see. Uh, but I will indeed leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us. I really, really appreciate your time and so many fantastic stories as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is the Eurotrip. When you aren't listening, you can find us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast. Warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest. Mentioned a few potential winners there, didn't he, old Gilad? He did, and I think he's probably in the same boat as everybody else because as we speak today, I don't think anyone can really pick a winner. It's very difficult. It is one of the most open Eurovisions for a very, very long time, which is very, very exciting. But, as we've already said, it is rehearsal week. So who knows, maybe things will change by the end of this week. But given it is rehearsal week, it's time for this. Yes, indeed, it is time for your weekly roundup of all the Eurovision news. And it's safe to say there is a lot going on. We're going to say it again. It's rehearsal week. So, of course, there's a lot of news headlines coming out of everywhere. Here, there and everywhere. Mainly the Ahoy, of course. That's where most of the news stories are coming from, actually. Uh, but there's a lot going on, isn't there? Goodness sake. Yes, if they're coming from anywhere, probably probably <laughs> the Netherlands and more precisely Rotterdam. Yeah, absolutely. I should have probably figured that before I start to speak. But anyway, Rob, do you want to tell us about all the news? I mean, we've seen a lot of press conferences. People have been saying a lot of stuff a bit about how lovely it is to be at Eurovision and stuff. But actually, I thought uh, we'd just talk about what our favourite highlight so far has been from from rehearsal week, because me and you have been there in the online press centre, of which we'll bring you closer to next week, more in a minute. But uh, we've been watching some of the rehearsals. Uh, the standout moment for you, sir? Um, let me think. Let's also put it on record that we're recording on Monday evening. So we've seen three days of rehearsals. We've not seen... Tuesday or the beginning of Wednesday when as you are listening hopefully if you're listening on podcast release day but that was a very long way of me saying I'm going to say Iceland has been the moment for me really uh, there's been a few standouts on each day Lithuania on Saturday Malta on Sunday but today uh, as we speak on Monday Iceland Daddy Freer just absolutely fantastic they came to the stage they knew what they were doing they knew what they wanted and they're delivering it in bucket loads yeah, one of the slickest performances I think we've seen. Uh, so from one of the slickest to one of the least slick, I would say, uh, my highlight of uh, rehearsal week thus far is uh, Hurricane, of course, uh, representing Serbia this year. Uh, they were, I think, the final or one of the final rehearsals uh, today on the day we're recording this on Monday. And uh, they finished their first run through with one of the singers... I can't remember which one. If you watched Euro Jury 2020, you'll know that I struggle with the names of Hurricane because they all sound quite similar. Weren't they Samya, Senya and the other one? Yeah, pretty much. We'll leave it at that. We'll not, uh, we'll save you your blushes. Although I could put that clip of you struggling with all the names in the podcast. What do you think about that? 
I think you probably can do it anyway, aren't you? So I am. Let's have a listen. Serbian group Hurricane consists of Sanja, Ivana and Senja. Sanja represented Serbia in 2016 and Senja, Senja, what's Senja, wasn't it? Serbian group Hurricane consists of Sanja, Ivana and Senja. Sanja, 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 Sanja. Serbian group Hurricane consists of Sanja, Ivana and Senja. Sanja represented Serbia in 2016. Senja, Senja, Senja. Why can't they be called like Claire, Louise and Michelle or something? What do I call it? Ivanja. Yes, so uh, more than 12 months on, still struggling. Anyway, uh, one of them fell over. That's, that's all that I wanted to say. Uh, they got to the end of the song. Uh, one of them just tottered over on their high heels. Uh, they, they hit the deck quite hard, actually. Uh, the, the song finished, and then uh, just before the stream in the Ahoy cut off, uh, you heard what I can only see was a very, very loud uh, Serbian swear word. So that was, that was my highlight of, of rehearsal week so far. Fantastic that of all of the fantastic performances we've seen, that was your standout moment. Marvellous. Yeah, that and uh, Senate with a face in a painting, I would say. Probably the two highlights. Yeah, I wasn't expecting to see that. I don't think anybody was. But it's safe to say there's been some great rehearsals. There's been some ones naturally that have got room to improve. Um, but we will catch up on all that sort of thing um, next week. And we'll tell you exactly what we're doing next week very shortly. By very shortly, you mean now, don't you? I do. We should probably do it around about now because you will be used to us doing a weekly Wednesday episode. But because it's Eurovision week next week, we were going to up the ante a little bit and you're going you're gonna to have to get used to us. Let's put it that way. When you say up the ante a little bit, you mean up the ante a lot. Me and James are going to be with you. Strap yourselves in, everybody. Every day from Sunday... Until the grand final itself. So we will be with you from the 16th to the 22nd of May every single day. Which is a bit ridiculous because away from the podcast, we simply do not have enough time to actually do this. However, we just love it so much we've just got to. There's no way we could have not done a podcast every single day. We've just got to do it. Absolutely. We've got all sorts of stuff planned, as James said, despite the fact we haven't got time to do it. But we've got all sorts of exciting things planned. You'll be hearing from even more of the artists of 2021, loads of special guests, loads of other fun stuff planned. And yeah, it's going to be great. So please do join us for almost Live from Rotterdam. See what we did there. Very clever. Very creative, almost live from Rotterdam every single day from Sunday the 16th to Saturday the 22nd. And of course, maybe you even forgot about this, Rob, we will be doing the Eurotrips Eurovision sweepstake as well. Of course we will. We will be revealing who has got who. So uh, check out your email. Of course, we'll mention a few of them on the podcast as well after the second semi-final. So we're going to have to do the draw on the Friday, which uh, is going to be very exciting because... At that point, we'll be 24 hours or so away from the, the grand final itself. So you said it there. The Eurotrips, Eurovision sweepstake for 2021. The long-awaited draw is on the way. But as we know, this week, of course, is not about the live shows. It is all about the rehearsals. But it is also all about the 
press conferences. The journalists in both the Ahoy Arena in person and for people like me and James in the online press centre are getting the chance to meet the artists of 2021, ask them even more about their performances. And one of the women who is in charge of those press conferences is Semya Hafsawi. Now, I thought, let's have a chat with Semya. Let's get her on the podcast because that's what we do. That's the pulling power of this podcast. Everybody we want to talk to, they all come on. So it was great to have a chat with Semya a few days ago. And I started by asking how she came to be involved in this year's Eurovision Song Contest. It was Christmas 2019. So yes. you had to wait a long time, like the artists. It was... So basically, I had done a talk show in the Netherlands. And I was I was being a bit cheeky. And I was like, hey, maybe I can do something for Eurovision. Like a behind-the-scenes kind of thing. Because like my English is really good. And I've done music journalism before. So I emailed them with like my CV. Like every, like I have a interview with Billie Eilish that I'm really proud of that I linked to them. And I was like, I am them, please. And they were like, do you want to have a coffee? And that's how it starts in Holland. It's the coffee. <laughs> like, that, oh, do, do you want to have a coffee? Yeah. That, that shows that if you put yourself out there, you can make things happen. Definitely. I was, I was the, you know, I, I really, I went to them. They didn't come to me because who am I? <laughs> so I sent them all myself and they were like, I oh, want to tag along. And, and I explained to them like kind of what I do. And I, you know, I really wanted to help like get a YouTube series going and, you know, make a format. And I was kind of willing to build something for myself. And they were really excited about it. They were like, oh my God, like, it's so nice that you're willing to like think with us on how to do everything. And then I got um, a bag with Christmas baubles. Literally, I got like Eurovision 2020 Christmas baubles, and they were like, "We'll see you at the at the Song Festival, as we call it in the Netherlands." And I was like, "This is my peak. I'm not going to do anything as cool as this ever again." <laughs> and then um, Croissant 19 happened, as I call it affectionately, and um, the pandemic levato, and I just sat sobbing. I was like, "This." This can't like this can't be happening. And I felt so bad for Jean Gu, who had been working so, so hard on his entry and all of the other artists. And you know, it's it's that kind of magical, it's like musical Christmas, isn't it? Like it, you have that magical like belly feeling of Eurovision and it's months and months of build-up. And I just felt really, really sad. But then, you know, everything started shifting and we heard that we're gonna host it again and and yeah, I'm just, I'm just really happy that we can have a crack at it this year, to be honest, like in any kind of capacity. What was it like when they touched base with you again and said, you know what, you were supposed to be doing it in 2020 and come back for 2021. You know, was that always going to be the case or did you have to come? I of- sobbed again because yeah. <laughs> I saw all the Eurovision news and I didn't get anything. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm, ple- I'm pleased that, you know, we're going to do it at least. Like I didn't have any expectations whatsoever because they are not, I mean, it's a privilege to work for Eurovision. It's not like a given. And also the um, the public broadcaster that is hosting it, I'm not actually one of their usual hosts. So I'm a freelancer for them. So it's extra special that they asked me to do it um, because there's so many amazing presenters that actually work for that network that they could have asked. So I feel, I feel quite special. Yeah. I'm going to ask a little bit more about what you're going to be up to in a sec. But firstly, I did want to ask kind of what is your relationship like with Eurovision or with the Song Festival, of course, as you call it? 
yeah which I mean song festival is actually a good word like as an English-speaking person because it's really close to the English one well my mum always watched it like in the background because we were not a very musical household but my mum and I were really into musical theatre and Eurovision is kind of musical theatre when you think about it and with all the drama and all the songs and all the costumes and but I was kind of the only one in my friend group that was really into it um so I kind of got teased <laughs> for liking it a bit and as I got older um I kind of I've never lost my fondness for it and actually um when I lived in London 2013-2014 I had my first Eurovision party it was like a, a a big thing uh with the people I lived with at the time and yeah that's when I was like oh my god like the level of seriousness that that group gave to Eurovision really sparked my interest even more because if you're surrounded by people that tell you it's kind of like a, a joke or whatever you kind of tend to focus on the extraness of it all and seeing people actually really listening to the songs and deciphering what it means and you know approaching the artists in a way that is about the music as Duncan said like it's music first and that made me really excited to get into Eurovision from a musical journalism perspective as in okay it's it's a miracle really that every single year so many countries come together and sing a song that not only reflects the times but also the times in their country so it's a very it's like political musical theater sometimes which makes it incredibly special now, let's talk about the press conferences, because you and the rest of the, the uh, presenting team who are going to be hosting the press conferences, you've got a lot yeah. to get through. So it's it's kind of more of a marathon <laughs> rather than a sprint, isn't it? It's uh, So I have like the email, because I, I have a meeting on Monday, so that's when I hear everything. So you kind of caught me a bit too early. Um, but there's going to be, because uh, it's in Dutch, so I have to translate in real time. So every single country has two meetings with the press, a meet and greet after their first rehearsal. And that's kind of a get to know everyone. So it's like low key. And then a, pref- a press conference after the second rehearsal. And that's going to be like the deep dive yeah. of everyone and that, like their, their staging and that. Um, so it's going to be 78 in total. Wow. And there's three of us. <laughs> To, what tactics have you got to rein in unruly journalists, having been a journalist yourself? Ah, oh, that's right. Nobody going past me in it. Like <laughs> I am, I am fierce. I will take you down if you say something cheeky. Now it's um. I mean, the the ones that are the most intense, I think, are the ones after the live shows. Um. So there's two with the qualifiers and one with the winner, and I think those are the most hectic because then everyone kind of just dives in. Um. But I, f- I feel like with with every single journalist, you kind of you have to get what you need depending on your publication. So sometimes I can see in someone's face if it's their question or their publication's question, which is really funny, especially if it's like a question where they're kind of embarrassed to ask. Um, and for me, as the hosting country, I feel like it's also my duty to protect the artist. So if the artist is clearly uncomfortable by a question, I can kind of dive in, make a joke, and then hopefully kind of ease attention because, um, yeah, things can get really quite heavy in there because obviously not every single artist um, comes to Eurovision carrying the same luggage 
uh, so to speak. So yeah, no, it's gonna be all right. Like, uh, but also Eurovision is one of the only places in the world that feels like Disneyland. Like everyone is there to have a really good time. So I'm really excited. But then the online journalists might be a bit more difficult because you want to give everyone their time. Uh, Sabia, thank you so much for joining us. And we really, really hope you have the best time in Rotterdam. And we're just all very jealous about what you get to do. So have the best thank time. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, oh, my cat just wants to say hi as well. And if there's anything you guys would like to see or anything you need to know, like feel free to contact anybody on the team. Feel free to contact me and we're happy. Even if you're like, I can't see that thing right there. Can you take a picture? We will. Oh, <laughs> uh, Samia, what service? What brilliant service. Thanks so much. Cheers. Bye. This is the Euro Trip. When you aren't listening, you can find us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast. Warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest. We'll be back to the podcast in just a sec. But first, a reminder that this episode is sponsored by the lovely people at the Queer Brewing Project and their friends at Cloudwater Soda. Cloudwater Soda, of course, is the little sibling of Cloudwater Brew Co. and provides interesting grown-up sodas for you to enjoy if you're looking for something alcohol-free. They're currently cooking up a special soda collaboration with The Queer Brewing Project, a queer-owned brewery looking to build community and provide visibility for LGBTQ plus people in and around beer and advocate for LGBTQ plus rights and all while raising money for LGBTQ plus charitable organisations. Now that special soda that Rob was talking about there is called Blossom and is inspired by the flavours in Queer Brewing's flagship wheat beer called Flowers. Uh, It'll be packed full of banana, orange and coriander seed. Much of the beer industry is focused on beer, but both Cloudwater Soda and Queer Brewing are mindful of those who may want to moderate their alcohol intake and those who are fans of flavours found in and around beer, but may not want to consume alcohol. Now, that exciting soda collaboration will be ready in a couple of weeks. But in the meantime, why not check out their websites? They are the Queer Brewing Project, or one word, dot com, and cloudwatersoda.co. And use the code EUROTRIP, or one word, for 10% off queer brewing beers and merch and Cloudwater Soda's range. And this code is valid until July the 31st, 2021. Here we go. This is this is the Euro Trip. Euro Trip. Indeed, it is the Eurotrip podcast, your favourite Eurovision podcast. We say it every week. We hope it is at least, as we say. There are some other good ones out there, but if you do really like this one, please don't forget to leave us a review. Maybe subscribe. Maybe rate us five star. But that's normally James's job to tell you to do all of those things at the end of the podcast. And honestly, I'm surprised that I remembered all three. <laughs> As am I, because I always struggle every single week. Uh, but please do do that. It, it means a, the world to us and it really helps the podcast out as well. Um, we love it when we get new listeners and we seem to get new listeners every single week. Lovely to have you all along for the ride. Absolutely, it is. And if you are a new listener, you may not know that this is normally where we will have our big interview. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking to the artists of 2021, uh, but it may not surprise you to hear that the artists of 2021 are a little bit busy this week, uh, busy rehearsing for the grand final and for the semi-finals. So we've mixed it up a little bit on the podcast right now. And we are going to be getting a, to quote James every week, fascinating insight 
into what it is like to rehearse as a Eurovision artist. What is Eurovision week like, or rehearsal week like, rather, as one of the contestants? Yeah, this is a really fascinating area, really, for me, because especially this week, as both you and I have been in the online press centre for the very first time, we get to see what rehearsals are actually like. And it must be such a daunting position for for an artist to be in, to go onto that stage for the first time. And yes, you don't have the, the thousands of people in the arena, but you are taking to the Eurovision stage for the very first time. And I can't even begin to imagine what that feeling must be like for those artists. It's a little bit like once I was asked to, I can't even remember why this this happened. It's a little bit like the pressure I felt when I had to judge the largest vegetable competition at my local <laughs> village, Fate. I imagine it's a similar level of pressure. I don't know whether Sir Hat could have, could have maybe done the, the largest marrow competition at the Olderminster Village show, but <laughs> maybe I couldn't do Eurovision. So each to their own. Strengths and weaknesses, isn't it? Strengths and weaknesses. I am very curious to know what vegetable won, if you have that memory. I've just said it was the largest marrow competition. Yeah, but which one? Who was it? Was it like Old Bill from number 24? <laughs> uh, I think it was the I think it was the local farmer, who I think was called Brian, which is a very <laughs> farmer name, isn't it, Brian? Far- farmer Brian. <laughs> oh, goodness me. Please, no more Rob Lilly impressions. We can't be putting up with it. No. That wasn't a million miles away from my Terry Wood impression, <laughs> which is more, more of a worry. Oh, blimey. Uh, rehearsal week. That's where we are, isn't it? Yes, it is. And we've both had two lovely conversations with two previous Eurovision artists. I spoke to Ari Olafsson, who represented Iceland in 2018. Also, I'll very quickly tell you that he is living in London now, so has a very peculiar accent. He sounds a little bit Icelandic, sounds a little bit Cockney, but he's also living with a Geordie, somebody from my neck of the woods in Newcastle-upon-Tyne. So he has the most curious of accents now. So you've got that to look forward to. Uh, You've also got my chat with Jana Bercheska, who, of course, represented North Macedonia at Eurovision in 2017. Uh, You might hear some birds in the background. You might hear a little bit of chatter. Uh, She was in the park in Skopje. Uh, She just dropped dropped her her child off at nursery, but she uh, still had time for a chat to me, which was very, very nice of her. Uh, So you're going to hear both... Ari and Diana in what we're going to call some sort of lovely, uh, reminiscent oasis of rehearsal recaps. Wow, you came up with that off the top of your head. I did. You could see the pen on my voice when I <laughs> got lost halfway through the sentence. Didn't quite know where I was going with it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're going to hear from both of them in the next little while. Uh, and we're going to start by asking them what they remember and what they've been up to since their time at the Eurovision Song Contest? Uh, It does feel like yesterday, but also it feels like a very distant time since so many things happened to me uh, privately. Uh, But Eurovision uh, is an event that is so close to my heart that, I mean, a a day can't pass without me thinking about a Eurovision memory or uh, even with my new job as a journalist, like following uh, the Eurovision news. So Eurovision was four years ago for me, but it still is present in my everyday life. And just give our listeners an insight into what you've been up to since Eurovision. You say it was four years ago, of course, and and a lot has gone on for you since then. So, So what have you been up to? Okay, so since Eurovision, um, I have become a mother of two now. 
Um, we all remember the Eurovision baby since I revealed my pregnancy during the postcard. Um, and um, I started working for the national broadcaster, actually. Uh, I was a part of, uh, I'm, I'm sure you all know her, Alexandra Ivanovska, our head of press. Um, I was part of her music show. Um, we were covering all sorts of musical events, supporting Macedonian artists who do their original music. And I've been uh, really engaged into the, into the Macedonian music scene, scene since then. It's been three years, can you believe, since you represented Iceland? It seems Crazy. like it seems like just two minutes. So, give us an <laughs> idea about what it's been like for you in those uh, in those last three years. Well, I've been studying uh, here in London uh, in the Royal Academy of Music, so uh, it's been pretty busy. Um, but yeah, it's just been uh, you know ever since. Um, Ever since that journey going to Eurovision, you know, things haven't stopped for me, except for obviously COVID, you know, uh, but you know, you still try to do as much as you can. So now I'm just uh, focusing on, uh, you know, finishing my degree. I'm still writing music. Um, you know, I have some plans made and uh, for, for re releasing some stuff, but um, you know, I, I always like to keep all my options open. Uh, I'm all, I've always been classically trained, so I love that world as well. So I, I do a lot of classical music and, and uh, classical shows. Just uh, performed in September uh, 2020, my first ever solo tenor concert in Iceland. So that was great. Let's wind the clock back three years. Like we say, it has been yeah. remarkably three years since you represented Iceland at the Eurovision Song Contest. Um, to get there, of course, you had to perform in the national final in Iceland, um, yeah. which was about two months before the, the actual yeah. contest. So take us to the, to the national final. Are you thinking about Eurovision at that moment? Or are you just really thankful to be given that <laughs> platform to perform in the national final? Yeah. No, it's it's a it's it's a very good question because uh, you're not thinking about Eurovision at all. You're just thinking about you know how the public in, in Iceland are gonna you know portray you and like you're just hoping that you're getting out of this uh, you know with a good um, you know yeah with a good sort of um, result you know uh, you know that that you did your part and. And that everybody was like, oh, yeah, he, he sang really well and, and, and it was a good song. And, and, and uh, you know, but I never expected to win. Uh, like uh, there, was a, there was a fan favorite at the time who was the runner up. And uh, I think on the night, people, when people saw the performance, uh, you know, it sort of like switched. Uh, and uh, I, was, I was a very, thoroughly surprised and uh, very happy and as soon as you know they, they called out my name and I knew that I won that's when the whole thing was like oh my god I need I have to do this again <laughs> I have to go to Europe and I have to sing in front of millions <laughs> that's it's actually a very good picture of me uh, it's it's so it's so funny because I'm just like you know a frozen in this moment like realizing all this
presumably the moment you realise that this is real, that this is the big thing, is when you step on the plane and you flew across to Lisbon and you stepped yeah. off the plane. What's it like to get, first of all, on the ground in the city, but then to walk into that arena for the first time? That was that was so scary. Uh, I, I was 19 at the time. Uh, I was 19. I, I'm 23 now. You're getting it's, old. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's uh, it was it was it was absolutely crazy because I was because I was uh, you know I yeah it's it's you sort of have to kind of just you know drown all that noise in the background and trust yourself that you're that you're here to do a job and um and trust yourself that you can do it and sort of you know when you when you first step on that stage in, in the first rehearsal it, you know it like <laughs> i can only speak from my from my experience but you know i was like well here's here's my opportunity to do all my mistakes you know and uh, then move on so you know you're 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 going there to sort of you know test the waters and uh, you know just not yeah I think I was pretty lucky with the with the team because they were all very supportive and they were, we all had this very nice mindset that we were just here to test the waters and uh, that we were here to uh, you know uh, that we were here to you know get sort of like a ground base and, and build from there. Now, before you got to Kiev, can you just tell us kind of how much rehearsing goes on before you get to official rehearsals, if you want to call it like that? You know, how, how many times had you been through the song? What had you been rehearsing? Where were you rehearsing? Okay, so um, I must say I was uh, really focused on the vocal performance. Uh, I was working with a great teacher, Maya Sazdanovska. She was helping me, like, um, get the real sensibility of the song out to this up to the surface um, and then the national broadcaster the Macedonian radio television they arranged um, for Ambra Suci to fly to Skopje so we can rehearse a little bit with her and then Ambra Suci trained because she couldn't stay here for months right uh, Ambra she trained a local dancer she, she has the same name like me, Jana, Jana Andrievic. And um, she, uh, Amra Suci trained Jana. And then I was working with Jana because, you know, we were living in the same city and it was much more practical that way. Uh, the rehearsals took place uh, in some of the, um, like, studios in the national television. So we had the right space. We had mirrors. We could, like, look at what we were doing so, you know, we could make more and more progress progress every day and when did you start rehearsing before Eurovision you know I've spoken to some artists and they say you know we start rehearsing in February March time when, when did you start rehearsing I, I think the rehearsals began in February because in our country January is like all the um the Christmas the orthodox Christmas is then so it's like half of the month is just covered with uh, holidays and nothing works <laughs> um but uh, sometime in January, we began practicing. That's when I first met Ambra. And then, I mean, I was also doing part of the choreography in the video. So I had to be some kind of ready uh, for the video. So yes, the dancing rehearsals began in February, but vocally I was training ever since they, um, they announced that I was gonna represent the country.
Now let's talk about when you finally got to the contest itself. We've seen over the last few days the delegations arriving in the Netherlands for this year's contest. Yeah, it's so exciting. <laughs> what was it like making that journey for you to, to Kiev? You finally, you know, touched down in Ukraine and you realise it's happening. You know, I'm representing, I'm representing my country at such an incredibly huge event. Yeah, so I, I just got chills right now, like just thinking about it. Um, we uh, arrived in Kiev, I think, May 1st. And ever since we got there, there was just like this nonstop agenda. I, I mean, uh, people think uh, that the Eurovision uh, contestants, they go to all these wonderful destinations and they get the time to like walk and wander around the city and see all the important monuments and go to a museum and have fun and have drinks and I don't know, go out. But none of that happened actually. I was uh, the one who was most, um, uh, who had the the, uh, the tightest schedule. Sorry, I couldn't think of the word. Yes, I was the one with the tightest schedule and I had zero time for like extracurricular activities. I was, um, either at press meetings or um, I was shooting something for the, you know, for the program uh, that the journalists here in Skopje were doing for the national television. I was at the arena most of the time. Uh, I had these meet and greets with other contestants and we were filming all that. So, you know, you could really feel the, um, the Eurovision family moment. What's it like the fact that you only sort of get limited rehearsals because if you were doing a solo show for example you can just rehearse as much as you want you can have the stage to yourself but at Eurovision especially this week for the artists you know some of them performed on Saturday but the you know they don't get to rehearse again for another four days so is it yeah. a bit difficult to have performed once and you say okay that didn't go as quite as well as I wanted to but now I've got to wait you know three four days to just to rehearse again well uh, I think that well, I hope that most of the teams are also practicing in the hotel. And um, you know, for me, we we practiced all day. Uh, and if, if we were not in in interviews, then we were practicing the song or, or rehearsing the 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 performance uh, in the hotel, in sort of like a lounge or, or something. And uh, you know, just so. When you're not on stage, obviously you're trying to, you're, you're I think, uh, hopefully you're always rehearsing every day uh, to sort of keep it fresh in your mind. But it, it is a difference stepping on stage and, you know, being somewhere in a room uh, trying to do it. But, you know, you, but you, you get, you get, you get a good amount of time. I think I feel on that, on that stage, you get what, like in half an hour on stage, you get like five, four run throughs of, uh, of the song at the moment we're seeing the the first rehearsals and the second rehearsals for the artists and a lot can change can't it from the first run through to the second run through you get the chance to change a lot of things mm -hmm. yes it does and uh, you get to change a lot of things to uh, due to uh, the great organization uh, I don't know if the fans know but after every rehearsal delegations go into the so-called viewing room where you can like watch uh, everything that happened during the rehearsal and say like this doesn't work for me we wanted to get this not that and so on so you can still um i mean the rules are really strict once you submit the way your um staging is going to look you can't 
you you simply can't uh, make a lot of changes but there are some finesse that you could like you know correct uh, here and there and for the singers i think what's most important is the vocals and the sound engineering as the artist what sort of influence could you give over the whole staging and what your performance looked like well i was um allowed of course to express my opinion but really those things are like um discussed on a much higher level so maybe the head of delegation with the production team uh and also i must say thank you ambra once again because she was really persistent on getting what she had imagined as a choreographer as a person in charge of the staging she was really persistent and really really did her her best she was working hard but what happened in the end i don't know <laughs> i don't know what to say when it comes to your experience in kiev you know are there any stories that you can remember any real standout moments whether it's the week before or or the night itself standout moments i mean eurovision itself is a standout moment in my life i don't know if i could like pick just one moment i remember the delegation really enjoying a georgian restaurant that was near the hotel and um, the ladies that were singing backing vocals from me we would like always go there and you know uh, take our time to relax because you didn't that was like a luxury back then so we would hang out at this hotel and eat spinach wrapped trout that's what i remember a very delicious spinach wrapped trout. I recommend it to everyone. It's a Georgian specialty, I think. I didn't think when I spoke to you that we'd talk about spinach wrapped trout, but I'm pleased we did. There you go. <laughs> I know. Well, you said a special moment. Well, that's what I remember from Kiev. And also, I must say, um, you know, considering the fact that I was four months pregnant, I think, I was a really big sleepy head. So I was trying to get every like single second that was available for me, I was using it to go to sleep. I was even sleeping in the arena. I was sleeping on chairs. I was sleeping in bean bags. I was, I was like sleeping in the car, in the van. I was just sleeping all the time. And that is maybe, I wouldn't say I regret that, but I think that this conversation would have a lot of more content to it if I wasn't such a sleepy head pregnant lady. <laughs> Now, give us an idea about what the artists will be feeling like over the next few days, because we are a week away from the first semi-final. So the first artist will be going up on stage in just about a week's time. So yeah. how will their nerves be going over the next few days? And more importantly, how will they be feeling on semi-final day itself? Surely that you know, build up to the, to the performance on the nighttime is just, you can't really compare it to anything, I imagine. No, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, as we said it's a very it's a slow build it's like you know literally like there's a cocoon uh, in your stomach and you know it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and then on the semi-final day it's just like bursting with all these butterflies and um but yeah for me at least uh it was it was scary but you get to you get to do one show before for the judges. And uh, I was I was looking forward to that because there are not a lot of people in the stadium at that time. There are some people. Uh, so, you know, you get to rehearse once, 
and oh, you get to run run it through once, and uh, and then you have this sort of yeah, you have a pretty uh, you have like five hours until you, the show starts, and I think when you've already done it, you know, for the judges, the all of the all of the things just start to turning into excitement and you can't wait to be back on the stage, at least for me. Um, after I'd done it with the judges, I was just, yeah, I was so uh, so excited to get back on stage. I couldn't, you know, and then get get back to the green room and, you know, just have an amazing night with, with all my friends. Who, and I'd, you know, because you, you make a lot, or at least I made a lot of amazing, amazing friends. I wasn't aware of how much I loved Eurovision until I went to Eurovision. And then the next year, no, not the next year, the the year when Tamara was singing, 2019, I was part of the press team. So I was back at Eurovision with a different role this time. And I fell in love with the event all over again. It's just like, it. there is a great truth in the saying that Eurovision is a family. So I really felt that when I came back, even as a journalist, people were still showing and spreading love and good vibes uh, and appreciating music. So I would go to Eurovision every year, whether as a singer or a journalist, I just love the event. And if singers in Macedonia are tired of Eurovision, I can be the one that just goes every year and <laughs> tries its luck. So thank you very much to Ari and to Jana for joining us. And as you heard there, Maybe, in some guise or another, we will see them again at the Eurovision Song Contest. Which would be very, very exciting. I sort of gave him a bit of a like a get-out-of-jail-free card, because normally we ask artists, or we have done uh, in the past, some previous artists, we said, would you come back to Eurovision? And normally they're a bit shy, aren't they? Like, oh, well, maybe, yes. And I thought, there you go. Yes, no, maybe. And he thought, no, I'm going to run with it. I want to give you more than just one word. Very sneaky. You shouldn't, have, you shouldn't have given him maybe as an option. Yes or no. And then you would have had to make him decide there and then. But uh, yeah, I think that was that was fab. Great to have them on. Uh, both of them, newbies to the podcast. And uh, maybe we'll hear from them again in the run up to next Saturday or hear from them again in the future. Who knows? They've definitely got more stories to tell. Absolutely. Well, we've got loads of episodes to fill next week. Of course, one every single day from Sunday until the grand final. So... I guess there's probably a little bit of space to squeeze one of them in at least. Yeah, to be honest with you listeners, uh, if you've got any ideas uh, for what you want us to do (laughs) in those episodes, do let us know. What would you like to hear? Who would you like us to speak to? Uh, At Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, hello at eurotrippodcast.com. Because as James said, quite a lot of episodes to fill and uh, we probably should have had a production meeting by now. So if you want to do some of the work for us and give us some suggestions, they would be very, very gratefully received. Indeed they would. But for now, we've got one more thing to do on this week's episode. And of course, that is the one second song. And I shall briefly explain what that is if you are indeed a brand new listener. And if you are welcome, hello, thanks for joining us. The one second song is the part where we play one another the very first second of a Eurovision song, and all you've got to do is tell us what the song is, who the artist is, what year is from, and which country they were representing. Absolutely. Uh, disclaimer, I can't promise a one-second song every day next week, uh, but if you do hear the one-second song appear in any of our Eurovision episodes, you'll probably know that's because we, uh, we're a little bit short for content, but that's <laughs> just a little bit of a production note for you. Uh, but yeah, it's me to guess today, isn't it? I am already quite apprehensive. My head is full of 
all sorts of things like what's for dinner and who's rehearsing at Eurovision tomorrow. So uh, there's not a lot of spare capacity in there. Well, I think we'll just better get on with it and find out if there is much capacity there for you to guess what it is. So for the very first time, here is this week's One Second Song. Well, 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 I think, oh, I I don't know what I think, James. I think I might have it. It might be on the tip of my tongue, but equally, can I give you an answer? I'm not sure. Maybe you listening at home have got a better idea than Rob, but to help you along a little bit more, before you say anything else, I can see your face curling up in confusion. Here it is again. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure about this. It is definitely going to be a guess, and I'm not going to be able to give you an answer for all four, maybe? I don't know. It sounds like a lot of songs, none of which I'll be able to tell you, I imagine. Uh, Here we go. Right, come on, let's do it. I think... Did Estonia have a song called Amazing a few years ago? So I'm going to go that. Estonia, amazing. 2014 and Sylvia Pillu. <laughs> wow, there wasn't much capacity in there whatsoever, was there? Not really, honestly. You tapped me on the head today. Nothing in there. <laughs> it's just a big echo. I don't think there's much misery to put you out of, but I will do it anyway because you are wrong on all four points because that was, in fact, 2018. It was Azerbaijan. It was Icel with Cross My Heart. I can hear you when I wake. I can see you when I dream. I can feel you when I break. As you hold me as you be Every night you feel the sky with new revelations Misty moon of your loom Let's rock the nation Heaven knows we are later than we are Tamed by the stars Once we say Once you say it, no, I should have got that one. You should have done. I'll quickly tell you what the connection was to this week's episode, if you like. Please do. So we heard from Ari just a moment ago. He, of course, represented Iceland in 2018, the same year uh, that uh, Cross My Heart was the song for Azerbaijan. Uh, And they performed back to back from one another. That's about the only connection that I can get for you. And also, that was the very first Eurovision Song Contest show that I went to see. So she was the very first Eurovision artist I saw perform on the Eurovision stage. You said Eurovision in that sentence a lot, didn't you? I did, yes. It was very self-centred, I must admit. But that's the best I could come up with. Who was the first artist I saw on the Eurovision stage? Oh, no. We've got one of those moments on the podcast where Rob types something because he should have done it earlier. No, but I think I can guess because you went to Eurovision in 2015, did you not? I did. 
And I think if you went to semi-final one... I did not. Then I do not know the answer. <laughs> uh, I went to semi-final number two, uh, which therefore means that the first song I saw live at the Eurovision Song Contest, if I can scroll down this page, and honestly, listeners, I don't know why you care, was <laughs> Lithuania, Monica and Vidas with This Time. Ah... Well, there you go. I don't know what you want us to say about that, because that was in no way relevant, but there you go. Wasn't at all. Uh, No, what I was going to say, actually, was I just had a quick look at the lyrics for Cross My Heart from I Sell, uh, this week's One Second Song. And (laughs) there is an excellent lyric in there, because I knew there was, and that's why I thought I'd I'd remind myself. Um, In the first verse, there is a line which just goes, Misty Moon, I'm your loon. I mean, that is rhyming for the sake of rhyming, isn't it? That is tremendous. There's another daft line as well, like, Luna lift me up or something. Luna moon me up That's to the, the top. One. I mean, tremendous songwriting. Tremendous. Maybe that's our little project for over the summer, when Eurovision takes a little hiatus. Maybe we take a little hiatus on the podcast, and uh, me and you can attend one of these exciting songwriting camps. <laughs> that would actually be... Very entertaining. I don't I don't think we know anybody who could let us in. Can me and you get a song into one of the national finals of 2022? <laughs> We're busy enough, but I'll have a challenge. I mean, I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you're quite taken aback and you're trying to shun that as, a, as an option, but who knows? Maybe we'll come up with some sort of fun artist name as well. If you've got an artist name that me and James can... Actually, that means that we're entering as the act. I don't think that was ever the intention. We're acting as the songwriter here. We need a pen name so people don't know it's us. Get Linnea Dev on the phone now. (laughs) Oh, blimey. We're off track yet again, haven't we? We have indeed. Uh, It's the end of the podcast, by the way. You'll probably be delighted to hear. Uh, Thanks to Yana and Ari and Samia and also your friend of mine, Gilad from Israel, who have all joined us this week. Yeah, it's been a a really fun episode. We really hope you've enjoyed listening to it as much as we have creating it for you. Uh, We always love to bring you the Eurotrip every single week. And let's just remind you again, next week we're not here with you just once. We're not here with you twice. I'm not going to do every single number. We are here with you seven times next week, from Sunday all the way through until the grand final on Saturday the 22nd of May. So... You can't escape us next week. We are with you every single day, which is very exciting, we have to admit. It absolutely is. Can't wait to be here every single day. Uh, If you're sick of our voice by the end of Eurovision week, apologies. But we are very excited for some of, and all of, actually, what we're going to bring you over the course of next week. So please do make sure you join us every single day, because we'll be here with you, guiding you through Eurovision week itself. James, I mentioned it earlier on in a slightly different order, but your message to anybody listening would be... Until next week, next Sunday even, don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review, and rate us five stars. And until then, from me, James, it's goodbye. And from me, Rob, it's goodbye. So hello and welcome to the Eurotrip, your favourite Eurovision podcast with me, Rob. Me, James. (laughs) (laughs) 
It's all right, we've only done that for the last 40 odd weeks. <laughs> wow, can't believe that. Um, Why did I take you aback? I don't, I don't know, I was just sort of, I was waiting to do the, that's right, here on the, and I just was totally thrown by your silence. <laughs> Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.